Luke 24, 13-35 On that same day, two disciples were traveling to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking to each other about everything that had happened. While they were discussing these things, Jesus himself arrived and joined them on their journey. They were prevented from recognizing him. He said to them, What are you talking about as you walk along? They stopped, their faces downcast. The one named Cleopas replied, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who is unaware of the things that have taken place there over the last few days? He said to them, What things? They said to him, The things about Jesus of Nazareth. Because of his powerful deeds and words, he was recognized by God and all the people as a prophet. But our chief priests and our leaders handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. We had hoped he was the one who would redeem Israel. All these things happened three days ago, but there's more. Some women from our group have left us stunned. They went to the tomb early this morning and didn't find his body. They came to us saying that they had even seen a vision of angels who told them he is alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found things just as the women said. They didn't see him. Then Jesus said to them, You foolish people, your dull minds keeping you from believing all that the prophets talked about. Wasn't it necessary for the Christ to suffer these things and then enter into his glory? Then he interpreted for them the things written about himself in all the scriptures, starting with Moses and going through all the prophets. When they came to Emmaus, he acted as if he was going on ahead, but they urged him, saying, Stay with us, it's nearly evening and the day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. After he took his seat at the table with them, he took the bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to them. Their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, but he disappeared from their sight. They said to each other, Weren't our hearts on fire when he spoke to us along the road, and when he explained the scriptures for us? They got up right then and returned to Jerusalem. They found the eleven and their companions gathered together. They were saying to each other, The Lord really has risen. He appeared to Simon. Then the two disciples described what had happened along the road and how Jesus was made known to them as he broke the bread. Thank you for the reading of the word, Luke 24, 13 through 35, and this is from the Common English Bible. We're in our Easter time series um, and called Risen Indeed, and we're going to be going through the lectionary passages until um, the sixth week of Easter, sixth Sunday of Easter, when we're going to switch to an Acts series um, around uh, Ascension Sunday, so th that'll line up pretty well. Um, the Acts series, but in this little time uh, uh, in the resurrection uh, period, uh, we're going to look at some scriptures that 
um, take a look at what does it mean uh, for us to be living in the He is risen indeed. When we just shout, He's risen indeed, that means something. That's, that means something in the depths and foundation of the earth that has truth. It's not just something, some, something we just, you know, blindly shout out or just out of habit, habitually respond to. He is risen indeed. But it has deep implication. It has deep meanings at the foundations, the core of uh, the world, the globe, and at the core of who we are as individuals and our souls and the core of what it means to be human. Um, and our particular passage, I think, is really, really cool and amazing because um, it's about a walk, you know. And a lot of us in my neighborhood, a lot of us have been taking walks. Um, uh, not the last couple of days has been kind of rainy, but it had been really sunny in spring and the birds are chirping, the trees are green again and flowers are uh, blossoming and it's really beautiful out there. And we've been cooped up in our homes uh, for more than we're used to. And even though those of us who are couch potatoes by nature, uh, we're feeling it and we're wanting to get out, walk and get some exercise. We're telling our parents and our grandparents and our kids to get out and get some exercise and it's really good to get some fresh air. Um, and breathe in that warm air. I mean, there's no guarantee that sunshine and warm air will heal you of a virus, but get, getting fresh, fresh air and exercise is good for the body, the mind, and the soul. So, uh, so I, uh, on Facebook this week, asked, uh, what have you been doing to get out there, get out in the springtime, in the sunshine? And people sent all these pictures of them working outdoors, taking walks, beautiful scenery of nature. And it was really, really good to see. And some of those images will be popping up on the screen and you'll see them during worship. Uh, and the, the other thing I posted on Facebook was another question. Uh, what have you been eating or cooking lately? And I did not know it, but my comment stream just exploded with comments. I guess people really have been really cooking and like taking to cooking and baking and uh, more than usual and have been really loving taking pictures and showing people pictures of what they've been eating. And it just made me hungry just watching it. My mouth was salivating. But in this passage, you see Jesus sharing a meal, eating, and two, uh, taking a walk outside. Uh, this is a two disciples were traveling to a village called Emmaus, which is seven miles from Jerusalem. They're taking a walk, and Jesus, the living, enfleshed, resurrected Jesus, takes a walk with these disciples. And at the end of the passage, or at the end of their time together, he shares a meal. And these two things are really beautiful and I don't think we uh, realize how much Jesus must have walked with his disciples. They didn't have cars. They didn't have airplanes. They walked from city to, from town to town, village to village um, on dusty roads. And how much talking. When we go on walks with our friends, our spouses, our children or whatever, there's a lot of, it's a good opportunity to talk because there's nothing else to do but have a good conversation. Whether that's walking around Green Lake or around your neighborhood. It's a good time to talk. 
And uh, so a lot of talking and discipling and like talking about life and sharing their hearts must have happened between Jesus and his disciples that we don't know about, that we, it is just not in the gospel, but I'm sure it happened. And also in the gospel is that there was a lot, Jesus, some of his most profound times and moments came in sharing a meal together with people that he cared about. Sharing a meal with um, Zacchaeus, the tax collector. Uh, sharing a meal even with the Pharisees as they invited them to, him to dine with them. Um, that being interrupted by a woman um, who was a sinner um, blessing and honoring Jesus. Jesus' last meal with his disciples before his crucifixion. In the Gospel of John, he washes their feet. Um, in, other, in the other Gospels, uh, he performs the first Lord's Supper, the Eucharistic, uh, from where we get our tradition of communion, um, the sacrament of communion. Um, he shares that meal with his disciples. This is my body broken for you. This is my blood shed for you. Um, so meals, a lot of amazing, powerful things happen in meals. And the resurrected Jesus um, both has a walk with these disciples and he breaks bread, it says, and shares a meal with the disciples before he goes off uh, and leaves them um, in the first chapter of Acts. And so eating and walking. And this just brings up for me another question. What are you missing? What have you been missing lately? Like, when all of this is said and done, when self-quarantine, when flattening the curve, when things open back up, I don't know what the time, I can't predict that, um, but when everything opens up again, what, are, what is the thing that you are going to rush to do, right? Is that to go to your local eatery and share a beverage and a meal with a friend? to hug people again, to have a barbecue and a party in your backyard with close neighbors and friends, uh, to go to church and uh, greet one another and drink coffee together and worship uh, physically together. There's so many things uh, that we're longing for, that I long for. <laughs> I long uh, to not simply be speaking and teaching and uh, teaching the gospel and the Bible to a camera, uh, with empty pews, but to people, uh, interacting with people, not just on a Sunday preaching, but um, in, in the margins uh, as we do life together as a church, just longing for those things. So question number one, what is your heart burning for right now? What are you longing for? What are you missing what is the first thing you're going to do when we're allowed to do it um, and it's safe to do it? And then the second question I wanted to ask is, when's the last time your heart burned? When's the last time your heart burned? Because when Jesus leaves these two disciples as they're, they've taken a walk and they've shared a meal with him and he's uh, opened up the scriptures, the prophets, the law and the prophets up to them and taught them about how the Bible was actually pointing towards the Messiah, pointing towards Jesus Christ who was crucified. 
Their eyes were closed to his true identity as they're taking the seven-mile walk to Emmaus. And they're telling him, and he's acting like, oh, what is, I don't know, I'm a, I'm a noob, I, have, I haven't been, I'm not with it. What's been trending? And the disciples are like, haven't you heard about this man named Jesus who was crucified? Haven't you heard these things about Jesus of Nazareth? Because of his powerful deeds and words, he was recognized by God um, and all the people as a prophet. But then the chief priest, they tell him the story. They sum it up for him. But the, then the chief priest and our leaders handed him over to be sentenced to death and they crucified him. And here's, here's a clincher in verse 21. We had hoped he was the one who would redeem Israel. All these things happened three days ago. We had hoped. The key word being past, past tense in the passive voice. We had hoped he was the one who would redeem Israel. Meaning, in their hearts, uh, it was the end of the story. What they had hoped in, in Jesus Christ. Whatever it was to bring redemption to bring a revolution, to bring change, to come and defeat maybe uh, the oppressors, to change things, to be the great king of the Jews they had hoped for. They had hoped he would be the one to redeem Israel. What does redemption look like? What does renewal look like? What does restoration look like? What does like, change look like? It didn't happen. He died. It's over. And so... The hope is no longer there. The story is finished in their eyes. And the irony is Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, is standing right there as they're telling him, and they don't even recognize. And how many times in our lives do we sit in despair with no hope at all, empty-handed? Many of us are probably feeling that right now. We had hoped but now those hopes are dashed and I don't have hope at all because what I thought was living, what I had hoped in, is dead. It's no longer here. And how many times have we said, it's over, but Jesus was there with us the whole time and he's there with you right now. And maybe you don't even recognize him. You can't even see him with your eyes, but he is here with us. He is here with you. How many times? And when was the last time your heart burned? When was the last time your heart burned for anything? <laughs> My heart burned when I graduated from high school, right? This whole thing is over. I'm no longer a kid. I'm 18 and I'm going to be an adult and I can move out of my family's home and go out on my own. I was excited for the adventure of being an adult and going to college someday and being free of my family home. My heart burned. My heart burned that day. I kissed a girl for the very first time. I only read about it. I practiced on ice cream cones. But nothing was real until you first actually experienced that moment. When I experienced that, my heart 
burned. I thought about it all night. When was the last time your heart burned? My heart burned the first time I had a license and I had my first car ever and I drove that car. My heart burned. My heart burned that day. I pulled over on the side of the road and gave Janice, my girlfriend at the time, a little book, a little crafty book I had made of photos of our, our times together. And she flipped through it, and the back page is the ring, the engagement. And I had a picture of the engagement ring. And she's going through this scrapbook, and she comes to the last page, and there's the ring. And I'm like there next to her, will you marry me? My heart burned. That passion, that excitement, that fire. Like, I'm alive. Right? And I think many of us, uh, that in these times especially, that, that, that excitement, that life has been put on hold. And maybe it's on pause. And maybe it's stopped. And we're just exactly in the same place as the disciples. We had hoped. We used to hope. But those things are dashed now. That was yesterday. There's no tomorrow. And maybe we feel like that right now. We did have hope. But all of a sudden, life as we knew it was crushed. We did have hope. But now we don't know what's going to happen. We had hoped. We thought God was helping us. We thought God cared about us. We thought God was providing for us. But where are you now, God? He is not here. He is not here. And we literally feel that. He is not here. And just before this passage, we get the empty tomb scene where the women come and experience the angels who say, he is not here, for he has risen. Go and tell. And they go and tell the disciples. And the scriptures say in Luke that the disciples hear the women, but they don't believe them because it sounds ridiculous, what they're saying. And actually, Peter runs to the tomb himself. He runs to see for himself. He won't take the women's words worth. The women were actually the first to preach and witness the gospel of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But the first people who they told it to actually didn't listen. So for all you pastors and preachers of the Gospels and teachers of the Bible out there, right? Even the disciples, when they heard the Bible and when they heard the Gospel message for the first time, didn't listen. They didn't believe. Peter runs to the tomb and says, it says he looks in and Jesus wasn't there. There was the linens. He saw the linens there. He saw the robes and all that. And he's like, he pondered, like, how can this be? This is strange. What's going on? And so are these two disciples on their walk with Jesus, who they don't recognize. And the story is over in their eyes. But as he's talking with them, Their eyes open up to the scriptures. Jesus opens their eyes to the scriptures because they're like, these women, they told us about uh, the empty tomb and we, when we went there, it wasn't there. 
And Jesus is like, you foolish people. Your minds are dull. Don't you make the connection between this, the story of this death and resurrection and the empty tomb with the scriptures that you grew up with, that you grew up being taught and the scriptures that you know? Don't you see that these scriptures are all, this had to happen. This was the plan. And this was what was prophesied and foretold. Everything in the narrative of scripture and what you know and what is pointing towards the Messiah. Wasn't it necessary for the Christ to suffer these things and then enter into his glory? And sometimes when we hit that dip along the road, right? And this is a lesson for us. In the gospel, the gospel is not just up, right? Everything is glory. Everything is winning. Everything is happy. Everything is good, right? Did you not know? And that's why maybe people were blind. They missed the point because Christ's suffering and being crucified, right? That can't be a winning story. And that it's the same for us. We hit those dips in the road where we suffer or we experience deaths in our lives, many deaths. And we say, this can't be from God. This has to be bad. Or I need to, I need to get out. I need to save myself from this situation. Uh, and we cope or we turn to our idols or we turn to things to help pacify uh, when we suffer. We avoid suffering or we avoid hard things. But Jesus, in speaking with these two disciples in verse 26, wasn't it necessary for Christ to suffer these things and then enter into glory? That's the good news, right? Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Doesn't have power unless first Christ suffered and died. That is the full story. And then it says he began to interpret for them the things written about himself in all the scriptures, starting with Moses and going through all the prophets. He gives them the word, right? And gives them uh, a frame, frames the life and the everything that they're experiencing in the events of the day, that very day, through the lens of scripture. And they begin to get excited again. Oh, and sometimes when we lose our way and when things get hard and our hope is dashed, we start to go crazy, we act crazy, we do crazy things, we're mean to people, right? Our anger flashes. Uh, we do things we don't usually do because we're on tilt. When that happens, we need to turn to Scripture and know that because Scripture will frame this complete story for us and set us straight, like, this is, don't you remember, this had to happen, and Christ is, will rise, Christ will come, Christ is with us, and he's going to lift you up out of this. But first, you need to embrace the suffering that you're in, be in the doubt, and don't avoid it, but ask God, what are you doing right now? What are you doing in me right now? And I think the church needs to be set on fire again. It's been a long time since our hearts have burned. 
Amen? I asked that question, when was the last time your hearts burned? Right? And so often, I mean, look at this cross. The symbol of the church is the cross. And it's a great symbol because Jesus died on the cross. But we don't stay there, right? We just said he is risen indeed. The reason why this is a symbol of Christianity is not because Christ stayed on the cross and that was the end of the story, but it's because this had no power over Christ. Death had no power over Christ. Christ was crucified on the cross, but the, the, there's the empty tomb and he's alive. So we can't stay with this. And sometimes maybe that's people why people don't understand the power of the resurrection because we're still looking at this symbol of the cross. Why is this the symbol? Actually, the walk to Emmaus, we should have walk to Emmaus necklaces. That's the symbol that Christ lived and then he walked with his disciples and he ate with his disciples and he broke bread with his disciples. The disciples experienced him in everyday life. In their everyday, they experienced him as alive and present in everyday life walking outside, eating together. And that's what's hard right now, maybe, because we're not walking with our friends and neighbors out there. And we're not able to eat with our friends and neighbors as much as we used to. But Christ is risen, and he's risen indeed. And one day, we will eat with him. We are eating with him. We will walk with him. We are walking with him. We will walk with one another and we will eat with one another because that's, and whenever we walk and whenever we eat, Christ is there. Amen? Christ is risen. Christ is risen. Christ is risen. And when they come to Emmaus, he acted like he was going on ahead. But they urged him saying, stay with us. There was something about Jesus who they didn't recognize, but they wanted to stay around him. They wanted him to keep talking. Their hearts were starting to light on fire again. That hope which they once had but was dashed. Once again, the fire was lighting. The kindle was going and it was, blade, it was starting to burn. The embers were starting to burn again. A fire was being lit. Yes, once again, they were starting to hope. Oh yeah, we see it. Yes, it's true. And they urged him to stay with them, stay with us and eat. The day is almost over. So he stayed with them and he took his seat at the table with them. He took the bread, blessed it and broke it. Just like the last meal with his disciples. This is my body broken for you. And he gave it to them. And the interesting thing is they're the ones that invited him to their home to eat. But Jesus is the one who's breaking the bread and being the host. They invited him, but Jesus is becoming the host. And that's the case with us. That Jesus is the host at the table. And he is breaking bread and giving. He wants to feed us. He wants to give you life. He wants to give you a change. He wants to give you renewal. He's breaking bread and handing it out, giving it to you. And when we receive, when we open our hearts to receive and stop, I know, when our eyes are open from whatever it is, 
our despair, our hopelessness, our anger, our frustration, our complaints. But we look up and we open our eyes. Our eyes are open when we receive from Jesus. Allow yourself to be vulnerable and receive the bread that Jesus has for you and stop fighting it and receive. Your eyes will be open. And their eyes were open, but he disappeared. And they said to each other, weren't our hearts on fire when he spoke to us along the road and when he explained the scriptures to us? Oh, that is my prayer for us, church, that we would receive the bread of life from Jesus Christ as we sit at his table, even now, even in our darkest times, even in our poorest moments, and receive the word and receive the scripture and receive the bread from him so that our eyes will be open and our hearts will start to burn again for the living Jesus, not just the stagnant symbol, but the living Jesus who's here and present with you today and eating and offering you new food in abundance. Are you with me, church? Christ is risen. That means he's alive in real time now. He's streaming live right now and speaking to you in your heart. The Holy Spirit may be moving right now, giving you the bread that Jesus is offering you, wanting to open your eyes to hope and to truth. And finally, they say, the Lord has really risen. The Lord has really risen. We saw Jesus. We walked with him. Pray that our hearts will burn once again because we are meant to burn. We're meant to feel passion and have purpose and to serve and to love. And when we're in quarantine time, sometimes I get bored. I'm like, I have nothing to do. My hair gets messy. I'm in my pajamas. I'm on my couch streaming. I've streamed every show on Netflix. There's no, nothing more to stream. I'm bored. And my heart is like, but I need to do something. I need purpose. I need action. My heart needs to burn. And Christ wants, is going to give that to you, to burn once again. But we have to get out of our self-centeredness, right? We have to get out of our internal and to begin to look out and see the narrative of the whole Bible, right? That God has been moving in history and it continues to move. And you are characters in that story, in that history, and he's compelling you to go and tell about the life of Jesus Christ. Amen? Did your heart burn? My heart burned that day. My freshman year in college when I was baptized in a river in Walla Walla, Washington, because I had recommitted my life to Jesus Christ. My heart burned that day. My heart burned the day also in college when I sat on the side of the banks of a flooding creek, rushing, and I was depressed. And I felt no purpose, and I wanted to jump in the water. 
but God saved me. God said, no, you're my beloved. I have a calling for you. My heart burned that day. My heart burned the day I finally said, okay, okay. You're calling me to be a pastor. I didn't want to do it, but yes. And my heart burned. And my heart burns right now, this moment, today. None of you are here. I don't see your faces, but I know God is moving. And I know a church, an army is rising up of people whose hearts are on fire, right? Amen. Our hearts are on fire to go and tell, go and tell and give hope that comes from the gospel, that comes from Jesus Christ to the world, to everyone around you. Because we can't be defeated anymore. We can't let this tear us apart. We can't let this knock us down. But we got to rise up and let the fire burn in our hearts. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word. Thank you that you walk with us and you eat with us and you're alive and real and resurrected. That you have risen and you've risen indeed. Help us to receive from you and open our eyes to see your truth in the gospels and teachings and the people around us in everyday life through the Holy Spirit impressing in our hearts, convicting us, changing us, healing us, transforming us. Give us new perspective in the places where we have despair and it's like, oh, nothing good has ever come out of this. I've never experienced anything good. Will you change that? Will you renovate that part? We heal those parts. In the places where we're bitter or we feel like people don't care about us, they're not listening to us, people um, have been ignoring us, will you heal those places and tell us, you see, you see me. You're calling me. What is your purpose for me? What, is, what are you calling me to? Burn in us today. Burn in us today. Help us to remember that our faith is real and alive. And it means something. Gives us purpose and drives us gives us vision in our life. Burn in us again. Burn in us again and give us hope. In Jesus' name.